Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com, Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory as well. Sales staff, they have plenty of deals to offer. They want to fit your budget and a service department that backs all of this up. It is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Despite protests from the corner office, our play-by-play call of the day. Harris stops, needs help. Backdoor goes to Wheeler in traffic. Jump stop in the lane. Lost it, got it back. Straight on three. Miles Dredd is good. Miles Dredd. It's 63-59. Nittany Lions with 242 to play. It's our play-by-play call of the day. I requested it. I demanded it. <laughs> I figured it'd only be appropriate to do some Penn State today after the big win last night. Yes. So they've got Wisconsin tonight, 9 o'clock, 8.30 will be our airtime this evening once Shikalimi is done with its game against Central Mountain this evening. So you'll join that game, the Penn State game, in progress. Uh, Today was supposed to be the eighth and final winter workout for Penn State. James Franklin emphasized to its team that everything in life needs to be earned. He says... You're not guaranteed a starting spot. You have to earn it. You're not guaranteed wins. You have to earn it. You have to earn it with hard work. And they looked at them and they said, you've earned a day off. So needless to say, they uh, they were loving their coach today. <laughs> they loved their coach today because James gave them the day off because he says they've earned it. And believe me, you look at the winter workouts, uh, and I can tell you after watching – they have earned their day off. They'll get back to work on the practice field, get going on Monday for spring practice. All right, uh, somebody always uh, earns accolades. Neil Kulong joining us on the show. Welcome. Great to have you with us. He is back. He is live. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always great to have you on. You make the show better, in all honesty, all kidding aside. Uh, Neil, the decision has been made to not franchise tag uh, Bud Dupree. Not a surprise, but what were your thoughts when you saw it? Uh, it, My knee-jerk reaction when I saw it was, wow, I I didn't even think of that as being an option. It was kind of funny that it needed to be pointed out. Um, They they might have signed Red Grange before they they tagged (laughs) Dupree again. Um, that would have been, I don't have the math in front of me, but it would have been over $19 million. Uh, and they're going to have to save that money to pay T.J. Watt probably over $19 million a season. So uh, it's it, not a move that I think they ever planned on doing anyway. I think that they tagged him 
uh, really to, to hang on to him last season when they were going to need it. But the idea was they draft somebody, uh, figure out a, a replacement for 21. But uh, 2020, they liked the group that they had uh, from the previous year. They wanted to keep as much of that together as they could and make a legitimate run at a championship. And I, I thought there was you know maybe a, a moment or two last year where we thought that that might have been possible. Um, certainly not after it became impossible for them to do it about week 12. But it, it was a, a gallant effort on their part. I think the strategy was, was sound. I think that's what you needed to do. Um, you just happened to lose Dupree uh, early December, and then uh, it, that on top of having lost Devin Bush, it really impacted their defense and their offense that the house of cards that it was it wasn't going to be able to hold up. So um, it was a strategic move. Otherwise, the Steelers really only used the franchise tag in, in a legitimate effort uh, to let the market kind of set itself before um, they, they re-engage in talks with somebody about a long-term extension. The, the Le'Veon Bell situation, I think, uh, they're, they put their best honest foot forward in trying to sign him to a long-term deal. I did not think that they wanted to just have uh, two back-to-back one-year contracts with him. They did want to have him signed. That didn't work out for a, a, a variety of reasons. But their intention, by and large, with the franchise tag is to, to keep the player um, – that they want to, you know, something that they want there long term. Uh, I don't think that was Dupree, and uh, that that's all due respect to him. I'm glad he got paid uh, what he did in that one season. Even if he got hurt, I, I certainly think the Dak Prescott contract kind of points out that uh, even if a guy does get hurt, they're they're still viable uh, within the market. I think Dupree can still get a, a pretty hefty chunk of change um, when free agency starts, and I, I don't think it'll take very long for him to sign and and probably at a, a level. 80, 85 million wouldn't surprise me. Right. Uh, and of course, he, he might not be able to play really until October or November uh, because of his knee injury. Uh, what did you think of the Roethlisberger reshaping of his contract? Where, look, it's the vast majority of it is bonus money. He's going to play for, quote, the NFL minimum. It freed up, what, 15 million in cap space? Something like that. Yeah, it was about that. I, I think the deal itself was largely what I said that it was going to be. Um, the negotiation part of it was really the the reduction, uh, which that I I would have thought in my heart of hearts that it, it's probably better for everybody, uh, with the exception of them, of course. If he took a little bit less money, um, I don't think it was unreasonable for the Steelers to ask him to do that. I would not have expected it to be five million. Um, I thought it was interesting that they kind of make him out to be a hero in doing that. Like he's really sacrificing for the team. Like, all right, well, he's been paid at the end of this, he'll be paid upwards of $250 million over his career. Uh, Five million when he's still making 14 isn't a a, a huge sacrifice. But at the same time, um, he didn't have to do that. So, and really, for a, from a cap perspective and from a team perspective, uh, I, I think they're both healthier with Ben on the team rather than off. So uh, the, the deal itself wasn't a surprise. I, I didn't think he would have um, taken that much off the top, but he did. Um, it makes the, the cap situation a lot more manageable. And it was never something that wasn't going to happen. I mean, I, it, no quarterback is going to play uh, without an extreme extenuating circumstance with a $41 million uh, salary cap when you're that far upside down as far as their uh, bonus money versus what he was going to be paid it wasn't a normal situation and the Steelers anticipated that um, I think they knew really what the cost was going to be without Ben on the team uh, you know $22.5 of uh, dead money hit isn't great but I think that the plan was to have a, a higher salary cap than what they're probably going to have um, things change, uh, Ben sacrifices a little bit 
I think he's better than any realistic option that they would have been able to get. And it doesn't preclude the idea of them drafting somebody that they can develop for the future. So uh, it, it was the right move all around. It was the expected move, and it's one that uh, – you know, it gave the Steelers the opportunity to kind of get into their offseason. Now, whenever they figure out what exactly the salary cap is going to be, they can do a lot more. But uh, the, the Ben piece was definitely the biggest part. Um, there are more coming. Um, some moves that, that seem fairly obvious to me, I think that they're definitely going to explore before the, the, the league year starts. Um, ways for them to get under the cap, ways for them to, to build out a roster that's largely unknown for next year. Um, still some moves left. It's going to be a very interesting offseason for them. Uh, I grew up in an era where you were always trying to win. I mean, even if you had a bad year, I, you know, teams that I would I rooted for or whatever, I always sat back and you know, you know, if they win, if they lose this game, they get the first pick. I don't want the first pick. I want to win the game. Uh, what has happened to our mindset about this? Because the Steelers, by bringing Ben back, may get themselves back into what I refer to as the Atlanta Hawk syndrome. Good enough to be in the mix. Not good enough to advance, and also good enough to not be in the lottery. That's funny. At the height of the Adrian Peterson era in Minnesota, that, that's kind of what I referred to them as. I mean, when they have to, to yank Brett Favre out of retirement twice to get him to play, yeah. the first time they should have, the second time they shouldn't have, uh, they couldn't find a quarterback and they were stuck in that eight and eight, nine and seven range. You know, when you have a, a player like Adrian Peterson, you're able to to win probably more games than you would have would have otherwise. But if you don't have the rest of the team built around you, you're not going to be good enough to get over the top. Um, I, I definitely think that's a possibility. Um, I would also say this though. I mean, from what we saw of this team last year, certainly offensively, and that that is not to say that they haven't made moves and they're not going to continue uh, to make moves along those lines. But their offense was terrible over the last five games yes, of it was. the season. I don't know if we've seen a Steelers offense play that poorly. Um, and, and to an extent, I think we could see it coming. Um, it, it wasn't going to take much for it to go down. And I think that one thing was Roethlisberger, to some degree, had the, the hockey phrase, lower body injury, whether it was one knee, two <laughs> knees, whatever. Right. Right. He was not throwing the ball well. I don't care what happened in the Colts game. I don't care any one throw here and there. He wasn't throwing the ball particularly well. Um, it, it, with that, teams were then able to deduce that he's not able to go deep at all, so we're going to sell out to stop everything underneath. And the Steelers had no counterpunch. Probably the worst rushing offense we've seen in, in a long time overall, but right. particularly over the last couple of days, they weren't able to run teams back. Uh, it, all of that kind of came to a head, and they all of a sudden went from a team that was averaging legitimately at one point, uh, what, 28 points a game, 28 and a half points a game, right. to about 16. I mean, you don't see teams fall apart like that without catastrophic injuries all over the unit, and we, we didn't see that. So I don't know. If, if they are more first half of, of 2020 or second half, but nobody, I lean towards second half. Yeah, nobody knows. And, and with that, I, I think they've got a draft coming up with a lot of holes. They don't have a, a, a lot of holes to fill. They don't have a great pick in which to do that. 24 is not going to get oftentimes an immediate difference maker. Um, we'll see how they play it, but they, they need offensive firepower. They, they need guys to make plays, you know, and I, I don't know how well they're going to be able to address that. Um, if they can't, I'll tell you this: they're going to be looking up at seven and nine, and and I don't think five and eleven, uh, if things don't go their way, is is impossible to consider either. All right, uh, it was suggested to me that at twenty four, because Connor's not coming back, 
right? And Benny Snell's not the answer. Um, that maybe Najee Harris. And I poo-pooed it saying, look, I'm not so sure you draft running backs in the first round unless there's Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley. I mean, even Miles Sanders was a second-round pick, and he's really good. How do you view that at 24? If somebody were to suggest a running back, what would you say? Um, I, I think both of those things exist. You know, I, I think they are equally true, and I think what you get into is pure value. Uh, when you are picking 24, and we've seen the Steelers do this, when you're picking at 24, the, the biggest mistake I think that, that comes up in the, the cultural phenomenon that is draft Twitter and, and you know mock draft mania and all of that, it, they lock themselves into the idea that there are 32 guys who are worth a first-round first pick. Literally no team thinks that. They might have 20 guys that they'll consider as first-round picks, and that's for a variety of different reasons. They all draft differently. Um, one of those reasons is not often I can find better value elsewhere. When they make the decision to select the player, they're going to look into more things, but they've whittled down their choices to a couple different areas. And those include things that mock draft experts don't consider. Uh, their financial future, where they are at that position, it, it's not nearly as linear as they want to make it out to be. This guy is better than him, therefore draft him. That's not how it works. When you're drafting 24, you're not picking again until, what, 49 or something like that? Right, exactly. You, you, you're not going to get a, a player at 24 who should be theoretically worth a top 10 pick. At the same time, do you really feel that there is a massive difference between 24 overall which you don't even have graded as a first-round player, theoretically, uh, and 48 overall? Probably not. What you're really looking for is position need. What do you need more in the future? And let's be honest, there are, in my opinion, there are two positions that are, are woefully inadequate on the Steelers right now, tight end and running back. Their running backs are bad, if yes. not worse. Connor was the only decent one, and I agree with you. He's not coming back. They don't have the money to pay him even the million and a half that he's going to be able to fetch on the open market. And even if you do, they did everything they possibly could to make sure he didn't get injured down the stretch last year, and he did. And on top of that, he wasn't very effective. So to me, I understand that everyone is going to, to completely rage if they draft Harris, or I, I think uh, Javante Williams out of, out of North Carolina, I think is probably the better player. Between those two, I understand they're going to yell up and down that right. this guy's available in the second round. It's like, all right, well, they need to draft somebody in the first round. If this is not the player that they want to invest a first round pick into and everything that comes with that, they're not going to. That, unfortunately, is how you end up with Artie Burns at 25 because William Jackson right. goes to 24. Right. At that point, you don't have either one of them graded as a first-round pick. Right. But what you do need is a cornerback. That's what you want to invest in. Burns or uh, Jackson isn't there. Burns is the next guy that they feel is kind of worth a one, a late one or an early two. That's the guy that they want to take. And they're not going to be able to get him waiting until their next pick. That's why they took him. Um, I, I don't think the running back position this year – will be any different than that. I think Najee Harris is a great player. Yep. Um, there's a lot that you can get of value with a guy like that. You can plug him in and give him 250 carries. And guess what? They're not going to want Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball 40 times a game next year, okay? Right. That right. didn't work. That was a no. problem. Running the ball is what they're absolutely going to need to do. I think the moves that they make um, are going to be on the offensive line. I would not be at all surprised if they looked at a running back in the first or the second round. I, I, know, I wouldn't guarantee it, but I could see Harris being the 24th most valuable player in draft. Um, I, I don't think that's unreasonable 
to suggest. And I understand mm-hmm. that you can get an Alvin Kamara sometimes in the third round. Yes, They're drafting right now. They're drafting on what they need now and in the future. And they're drafting for their own individual philosophy. Right. That, doesn't me- that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mesh with everything. And on top of it, you tried to draft guys in the third and fourth round. Look where you are. Yeah. You might have to go into the first round to do it. Exactly. If not free agency even. Right. So it, it, I, don't, I don't think that's out of line at all. One final question, and this is going to deal with the mystery of the draft and the evaluation of the draft. I think last year had a lot of mystery to it, but there was an advantage. I'm going to talk about that in a moment that they don't have this year. Uh, Peter King, uh, Football Morning in America, in his column, NBCSports.com, said he had one GM tell him Sunday his team is having trouble in three major draft areas. One, more players than ever in this GM's memory have one season of successful college football. Number two, limited medical information. Combine physical exams are notoriously thorough. You don't have that this year. And then there's this one, and I've talked about this. To me, you have to see people in person, okay? Yeah, video doesn't lie. That's fine in terms of evaluating a game, right? But when you're there, right, the GM said draft meetings so far have shown less information than ever on things like how does he take coaching? Can't do that unless you're standing there. What kind of teammate is he? Can't do that unless you're standing there. This is your evaluation. And what's his work ethic? You can't look at a game tape and see a guy's work ethic. All right? With all this, what kind of mystery is this draft to you in, in, in your opinion? I think it's without question the biggest mystery we've seen in the modern age. You know, before the time where they didn't even look at film, they just looked at stats and pick guys. Yeah. Um, it almost seemed like a novelty or a joke or anything. You look back on it. Um, I don't know how many teams are comfortable with the environment that they're going to have in front of them. And I think the teams that are going to be successful are the ones that are going to say, I'm just drafting the guy that I know. I'm drafting the the prospect that fits what I'm used to seeing and what I feel is most reliable. And with that, I think you're going to see a lot of higher-level talent fall down to the second round simply for the reasons that you pointed out. And I would imagine that general manager is saying the same thing. We don't know a lot of these things, and we're used to being able to get that. I can't even sit down and talk to the guy. I can't even see his his real reaction when I ask him a certain question. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go off of Zoom, which really, I mean, come on, that, that's, that, it's not the same thing as being in person. The medicals, I think, was an issue last year. I think that that was something that was going yes. to be, um, it, it, the, I should say, the follow-up on the combine medicals, but the fact that there isn't even that now, they don't know, and they're simply not going to know. They can't just find that stuff out. So uh, you're, you're going to have, I think, if, if we establish that uh, pre-draft predictions, mock drafts, things like that are the baseline, which they, they usually serve to be, to some to a reasonable degree if we look at those things as what's standard i think we're either going to see the most accurate mock drafts that we've ever seen mm-hmm. or none of them are going to be right right because teams are either going to say we're going to go with what we think is obvious and just kind of guess throwing darts at the board or none of this stuff that we have to do now is the same from team to team so we're going to have a completely different read on all these players and I think above all else the, the issue that you mentioned first is the biggest thing they only have one year yep. you know Mitchell Trubisky was drafted after you one year you got that right you know, it, it, Ryan Pace was pretty confident about that decision that doesn't seem to be all that great of one now 
um, that you, it's really hard to get a feel for a player when you don't have a, a, a you don't have progressive tape on him. I mean, there are only so many plays that you can see to get a sense of a player. But looking at him from one year to the next to show his growth curve, I think that fits in with things like what's his work ethic like. You can now. I mean, usually I don't know if you know this or not, but they usually beat down the door of the strength and conditioning coach. Oh, of course, those guys are the ones that talk. Sure. You know, it's solely about the the guts of the player. Um, you don't have as much of that, and there are a lot of guys, in my opinion, college players that, that smartly got out of the situation before they, they could make it worse for themselves. But, I mean, you've even got the, not a ton of FCS players get drafted, but they're going to play right up until the draft. Exactly. So you're scouting guys in real time next to the draft. Yeah. You don't have much time to, to really dive in and, and make decisions on players. So there's a lot that's up in the air. Um, and I, We can't sit here and say whether that's good or bad. Time is going to tell. Uh, of why a player was selected where, but I think we're going to have a lot of those eyebrow-raising moments in which this player was taken way earlier or way later than he should have been, and it's going to be really that you know that that's where we put it. We don't have uh, all of the information that we used to have, and to me, it either becomes gut instinct or it becomes grossly overanalyzed, and you can go either way, take him too high or or not draft him high enough. Um, in the end, so like every year, when they get them into camp and they, they start playing and the guys grow, um, they, they take to the new environment that they're in, we're going to see which ones are long-term prospects and which ones aren't. You know, it, The draft can only tell you so much. It's always kind of a crapshoot anyway. You are our NFL Yoda. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. You have a good one. Neil when it comes to car buying, there's the other... News Radio 1070 WK, okay. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous line of pre-owned inventory, a wide array, and a sales staff that will deal with you because there are deals to be had, and you should get a deal. And also a fabulous service department to back it all. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. 
Uh, Minnesota tried to make a comeback in game two today. Uh, fell just short Ohio State, which had built up a 71-60 lead. Held on in the last 90 seconds to win 79-75. So the afternoon sessions are over. The afternoon session is over. With Maryland beating Michigan State and Ohio State beating Minnesota. So at 6.30, the evening session begins with Indiana Rutgers. And then, of course, it is Penn State against Wisconsin. But Shikolami is playing tonight as well. We'll have that for you against Central Mountain. Suit gearing up as we speak. That's exactly right. And the Chief is in the house, too. Is the Chief in the house? He is, but they're about to take off. Please tell the chief I said hi. He says hello back. Wonderful. Yep, they're walking out the door with the equipment as we speak. Well, I was glad to hear him say hi, because that'll be the last time tonight he'll talk. All right, so... um... thought I'd bring that up. Uh, let's see. Duke is out of Duke season's done, not because they lost today, but because they had uh, a positive test, and they then had to forfeit their game against Florida State, so Florida State got into the semifinals, and Duke says that's it. They're, the AD says their season is over. It's over. Uh, We mentioned the Big Ten scores today. Here are other scores for you. Uh, Wyoming leads San Diego State 55-53, seven and a half to go at the Mountain West quarterfinal. That is in Las Vegas in Kansas City. Oklahoma State beat West Virginia 72-69. This time they beat him with Cade Cunningham in the lineup. He had 17 points, four assists. Oklahoma State moves on to the semifinal. Uh, Big East Tournament quarterfinal, Georgetown beat Villanova 72-71. No more, no Gillespie. Uh, Beekman hit a three-pointer at the wire. Virginia beat Syracuse 72-69 in the ACC tournament, SEC tournament. Mississippi State beat Kentucky 74-73 because... uh, Kentucky made it so close, their fans think that that should put them in. No. Florida uh, beat Vanderbilt 69-63. Also in the Big 12, it was Baylor over Kansas State 74-68. That was a close game throughout. Other games, Butler-Creighton at 6, Oklahoma-Kansas at 6.30, Utah-USC at 8.30, North Carolina-Virginia Tech 8.30, Texas Tech-Texas 9.30, Cal-Colorado at 11.30, Rutgers in Indiana at 6.30, Penn State, Wisconsin at 9, and Central Mountain and Shikolami. The broadcast begins as soon as we're done here and should go to about midnight. <laughs> um, uh, Almost kind of true. So the, the game ended at, um, at 8.30. I've got a lot to say. 
Nah, 6.45 start tonight, 7 tip-off. What time is it? 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock tip. All right. So 7 o'clock, it'll be over 8.30. Join us in progress. We'll be in the pregame show. Uh, yeah. And there's a good chance that the Penn State game starts a little bit later than 9. Last night, it didn't start till like 9.15. So those are the scores. That's what's going on. The the Duke thing is is one of those moments that lets you know that the virus is still large and in charge in some ways. I mean, it's but it's interesting. If you remember, there was the young man from Indiana, Feeney. It was it Brad Feeney, and this is where the myocarditis part came up during the summertime. His mom posted it on Facebook. But you know what I think we've noticed now since the game started to be played in September? Now, of course, the Big Ten didn't begin until until October 23rd, 24th. There hasn't been a single athlete that we know of since the game started being played. There's not a single athlete that we know has been hospitalized. Oh, there obviously there are people who tested positive. We know that. But not the, to our knowledge, we have not heard of anybody. And the and the other interesting part about this that let's go back to oh, let's go back to August. I was talking about this. Maybe July, August, probably in August. I was talking about this for early August. Before the Big Ten suspended. So that'd be the last week of July, somewhere in that range. And I said, I would like to see the NFL play a preseason game because the NFL made the decision they weren't going to play preseason games. I said, I would have preferred if they did. That way, we could see how it played out. Two teams played. Did somebody get COVID? Did it translate to the other team? But, of course, that didn't happen. That's why when they were talking about when would the Big Ten return, I said, well, if I were the Big Ten, I'd play the schedule, but I'd wait till like, September 19th or September 26th. My reasoning was let somebody else play first, see how it goes, and then you can get some better answers. Now, this is before, obviously, the Big Ten announced antigen testing and so forth. Well, now we know how it's played out. And obviously, I'm not a scientist. I barely play a broadcaster on the radio. But your assumption would be that's the big worry. How does it translate between athletes and competition? And here's the answer. It doesn't. Now, who would have thought that would have been the answer? Really, think about it. There are teams that have had to pause because of coronavirus. But the last couple of teams that they played before they announced their pause, whether it's football or basketball, kept on playing. 
sort of goes against conventional common sense, doesn't it? Remember Penn State played Maryland, then Maryland, that was it. It was the last game Maryland played for weeks. No issue. Penn State, okay, kept playing. Wisconsin had to pause after the after their first game with Illinois. Illinois never missed a game. Illinois might have missed a game, but it was because somebody else paused. But Illinois didn't have to stop playing themselves. Okay, Penn State was Michigan's last game. Michigan did not play the rest of the season. Okay? Penn State went in there, played. Penn State kept playing. Michigan stopped. You know, I could go through in basketball teams Penn State playing. You know, Penn State had to pause after they played Indiana. Did Indiana pause? No, didn't have to. For some reason, I, and obviously I can't explain it, but I'm just throwing it out there as a thought, it has not translated to the field or the court where it's passed from team to team. At least on the surface, it seems that way. And you're talking about no mass, lots of body contact, side-to-side, face-to-face, all sorts of elements. Would I have guessed that? Nope. (laughs) Would you have guessed that? Definitely not. It's... I can't explain it. I'm glad, I'm, but let's face it. I, I don't. I'm thrilled that that's the way it's turned out. Um. I mean, did I think it was possible? Yes, I did. You know, especially with with young. Um. Young, strong athletes, male, female. I mean, did I think it was possible? Sure, of course. But <laughs> did I think it was realistic? Uh, and me and I'm sure a bunch of others, I can tell you a bunch of others, thought it would be more of a problem and more so transmission of athlete-to-athlete in competition for the indoor sports. Yeah. Well, look at the NFL. The NFL never missed a game. Yeah, they had to push back, push back. But it, again, it didn't translate from team to team. See, that's the part that gets me. Yeah, you know, you're okay. But it didn't translate from team to team. That's good news. That's good news. All right. I just think it's something that, I mean, nobody's brought up. As Duke obviously tested positive, and now Louisville's out of the tournament, but Louisville said to be fine. We played him last night. Now the young man that did test positive is, is, is a player, but is a player that not, did not play in last night's game. And let's face it, it really didn't matter for Duke as far as their uh, tournament hopes anyway. Well, no, they were playing. They're they're getting closer. If they beat Florida State today, it would have been a, you know, 
it still would have been a complete joke had they gotten it in. I mean, do I think, for example, if they were to play Penn State, it would be a really good game between the two. How about that? Of course. Now, I'm not saying Penn State would beat them, but I said it would be a very good game between the two. Remarkable. But I think that's that uh, of all the things, nobody's talked about it. Now, why they haven't talked about it, I don't know. I don't know why people have not talked about that. To me, it, it is an incredible story. It's an incredible story that it is one of the last things you would think would have would have happened once they started playing. And it turned out that it it didn't translate from team to team. All right. Just a thought. Just a thought that uh, a year later something that you would assume uh, didn't uh, didn't occur. Yeah, it's remarkable that they are going to uh, play the NCAA tournament a year later. Most people are feeling better about it. Uh Happy for Dave Ritchie that he's going to be able to go and observe the game tonight. Uh, <laughs> no. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> I hope. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that Dave doesn't even get to talk in the car on the way over. All right, so. <laughs> Dave's sitting there now. Oh, Steve, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Syracuse was the 68th team on Joe Lenardi's bracket. They lost today on a shot at the wire. Beekman hit a three for Virginia and beat him. And what does that do? What what does it do? I don't know. Now, Duke not being there any longer, they weren't, I don't know. They beat Louisville last night, so now they were becoming, how about this, they're at least becoming interesting. But now they're out, so they're not even considered. Okay. And then there's this story. Patrick Ewing, back in Madison Square Garden as a coach. 
annoyed by the security measures he's encountered this week at Madison Square Garden. The hub of his playing career. Now, they upset Villanova today. He said that he was getting stopped and accosted at Madison Square Garden. I do want to say one thing, though. I thought this was my building, Ewing said Thursday, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped and accosted by people asking for passes. (laughs) Everybody in this building should know who the heck I am, and I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. I was like, what the heck? Is this Madison Square Garden? You never know. Wait, let's be honest. Have you ever met Patrick Ewing? I have not had the pleasure. Yeah. I have. I like him. Nice guy. Right? (laughs) It is obvious when you see him that in terms of size, strength, and the fact he's been on TV forever... That's Patrick Ewing. (laughs) If you don't know he's the head coach at Georgetown, you shouldn't be working in the Big East tournament. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, uh, tonight, Shikolimi and Central Mountain. Uh, is what, looking at their first district title since 1979? I believe that is the date, yeah. Wonderful. Go for it. Uh, that's great. Let's see if they can get it done here. And the... Um, And that'll lead into Penn State, Wisconsin tonight. Uh, That's what we have on the schedule this evening. Uh, For the uninitiated, if you listen to the Shikolimi broadcast tonight, Dave Ritchie will be on the broadcast. (laughs) Um, It may be a while in between. I got to give Dave credit. Like when the suit goes to then take a breath to then start the next series of paragraphs, Dave jumps in. You, you got—I mean, <laughs> there, 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 there is an art to that. <laughs> Dave, I love you, brother. You're the greatest. You are the greatest. Well, believe it or not, we're going to talk some football with Dave Giacchini coming up shortly, too, aren't we? 
Oh, yeah. Next Saturday as yeah. of right now. Home opener love and it. season opener. Love it, love it. All right. So back with you in three and a half hours. Or depending on long the post-game show for the suit is four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be on somewhere. <laughs>